0: Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the best show in junior hockey. We didn't give ourselves that tagline, folks. It has been bestowed upon us by all of you listening at home. This podcast, this show would not be where it is without each and every one of you listening, commenting, getting involved, shooting us DMs and questions on our contact page. And even when you see us in real life, talking hockey with us. There is nothing we love to do more than chat about hockey. And I can tell you one man who, well, the only thing he loves more than chatting about hockey is chatting about his golf game, which at last report is getting very, very good. It's Dan Kay. Dan, should we expect to see you at the waste management open in 2029? Lucas, I would say
1: no is the the easy answer to that. Um, I, I'm going to stay away from, from the tour for another year or two. I got a lot more hockey to focus on. You know, we got to really dig into this thing, especially with stuff like the power rankings going on and us reacting to it right now. But what I will tell you, the driver straightening out, man. And that's the biggest key for me. Like if I can hit the driver straight, I've got control of the rest of the bag. I, I can putt the lights out all day. I've got Phil Nicholson calves when needed. So for for... For all intents and purposes, it's getting a little El Dangeroso right now, which is my golfing nickname <laughs> uh, Gator El Dangeroso K. And when I get out in the course down here in Florida on that beautiful Bermuda grass or that Kentucky blue or maybe a little bit of bent grass every once in a while on the course out here, you better watch out, just put drop.
0: I tell you what, I have been trying to work on my golf game as much as I can, you know, in between the, the sleet, the snow, and the 15 degree temperatures. And I'm a little nervous because I finally got the the four iron, nice 200, straight with a little draw. My driver is 205 with the deadliest slice I have ever seen come off the club. So I will be bagger Vance until further notice. Um, but so if we could just play some, you know, some old school courses, maybe ones that have a bucket of sand at each hole, I'll be very happy. Hey, we got that one in uh, Pennsylvania
1: that we can go to any time. That's true.
0: In
1: the West in the summer, so. We'll stay tuned on that. But what I will tell you, Lucas, I think I want to play a little game show today. So the folks will have some fun with that. You can play along at home while you're driving in a car. We're going to ask Lucas some really interesting statistical questions on the premier and elite season so far and just see how well he might know the elite premier. You better not be cheating, Lucas. It's going to be tough. I will tell you that. the
0: the, The good news is, Dan, is that you can hear my mouse click and you can hear my keys tap. So if you hear those things, you'll know I'm cheating.
1: Understood. Before that, though, Lucas, I want to get into the power rankings. You know, you look at it in the elite, Rush Generals, Eels, wilkes Bear, Islanders, Tampa, Northern Carolina, Florida, Junior Blades, Boston Junior Bruins, and that order. That's where we sit with the top 10. What I do want to talk about in this division right now, Lucas, as we get towards playoff time, I think – I think the best place to start is going to be in this mid-Atlantic division because it looked clear-cut for a while that we were going to see Wilkes-Barre and the Hitmen. Have you started to change your mind? And if so, are there any worries going through your head about the mid-Atlantic's top two teams?
0: You know, I, I don't think so. I think that these two teams are the top right now. I think the biggest thing for me when you get into February is you have to watch out for the speed bumps. And what do speed bumps do, right? They make you slow down, they kind of jar everyone awake. And I think that's a good thing. I think the speed bumps in February are a good thing because it helps you refocus. You've been cruising too long. You fall asleep at the wheel and, you know, you get surprised in the playoffs. So I'm not necessarily concerned here. But one thing I will say, Dan, is that I think the Mid-Atlantic has really shown us in the last two months, especially that they are not by, they are one of the strongest divisions by far at the elite and premier level. I know at the premier level, the Mid-Atlantic has been split up into two divisions with the inclusion of a few programs in their first or second year with the USPHL. But I think as a whole, the Mid-Atlantic division is really proving with this late season push that they need to be included in a lot of conversations, especially as you start looking ahead towards nationals. There's some scary teams here.
1: Yeah, and you talk about Coach Wagenbach and his Rockets hockey club team. Right now, 33 games played for them themselves and the New York Aviators. Both teams sit at 23 points. Okay? They've got games left in hand still to be played. That third seed playing the Hitmen or the fourth seed playing Wilkes-Barre, this Wilkes-Barre team with John Dylan Clancy and then, I don't know if I want to see them in a three-game series. I don't think I want to see the Hitmen either, but I might be more apt to go up against the younger Hitmen squad. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one, Lucas, but let's keep, let's keep moving here. I mean, outside of the top ten, we have the Atlanta Mad Hatters, the Palm Beach Typhoon, Springfield Picks, Bridgewater Junior Bandits, Potomac Patriots, Hampton Roads Whalers, Outside of the, the Aviators and Hockey club, who do you think sits next as the biggest snub outside of the top 10 or a team that you could see factoring in come postseason time?
0: I think it's a really interesting question because you you start to have to try to power rank these divisions a little bit. And you look outside the top 10, I think the Patriots have had a good season to build off of but I don't necessarily think that they're one of the ones that you should be thinking, okay, we all have to watch out for them here. I think a team outside the top 10 that might have some upset potential is actually the Springfield picks. And Ooh. I know that, I know that they've had their struggles, right? They're, they're sitting at a minus 11 goal differential, which is pretty close. Four, four, seven win percentage. Um, they're they're struggling down the stretch. But I think when you look at the teams that are outside outside the top 10, excluding, as you said, the, the Hitmen, the Rockets, and those squads, I think Springfield is probably the best team that sits outside that number. I, I like what they've done in the North Division this year. They've kept games close. They've kept things close all season. And the biggest thing for me, Dan, is that of the teams that are kind of sitting on the edge, they have a really good defense. They have a really good defense in a North Division with some fantastic offenses. The Junior Bruins, the Cyclones, and IHC are a really good offensive trio. IHC, plus 81 goal differential. So I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset come the way of Springfield here. And I think that that's only because of where they sit in their division.
1: Let's talk about possibly the biggest race left in the Elite. And that's at the bottom of the southeast right now. Okay, we we've seen kind of that separation: Carolina, Richmond, and Charlotte sitting pretty right now. But we look at the back end here, and we've got the Hampton Roads Whalers with six games left to play, five points back of the Potomac Patriots with four games left to play. Lucas. Would you rather be the Potomac Patriots with four games left, two against Richmond, and two against the Charlotte Rush, or would you rather be the Hampton Roads Whalers sitting in last place currently with six games left, four of which will take place this weekend in Foxborough, the Junior Bruins, those Springfield picks you just mentioned, the Jersey Hitmen and Jersey Whalers. Followed by two Richmond Generals battles at home to finish the season. Which schedule would you rather have? Would you rather the five point advantage and the tougher schedule, or the the, the five point deficit, but a little extra chance to maybe chip away?
0: I mean, if if we we're on the podcast for whatever reason, I feel like we get to talk a little bit more frankly about a lot of these teams, and I think I think there's a good disclaimer here where you know, you and I have, for for the seven years that we've worked together, tried to find the line between really promoting what a lot of these teams and players do and promoting their ability and always being positive, right? With also a analysis, a very realistic analysis of these teams from a competitive standpoint. So in that vein of trying to find that balance, I think I'd rather be the Hampton Roads Whalers. and, And here's why, and feel free to disagree with me. The Potomac Patriots, a gritty team led by a coach that quit a coaching staff and an ownership group that has done an incredible job with this team and has set this team up for five, six, seven years to come in the right direction. But I think the Potomac Patriots, I think they're for this weekend. And when are, sorry, they're sealing for their next four games. I think sits at around three, four points here. And and I think you could get an overtime game and maybe steal a win, but that schedule is just, I think, too much for them. The Patriots certainly have played these two teams close. They've they've garnered more than a few wins against them, but I'd rather be Hampton. I I think you travel up and you can steal some wins against teams who aren't ready for you. Despite the fact that Hampton's schedule is difficult, despite the fact that they will have to play well in, in a little bit of a foreign land, the south shore of Massachusetts, I'd rather be Hampton here. There, There's too much pressure on Potomac to try to pull out an extra point. And it could be, Dan, that that overtime game, that one point might make the difference. Where if you get one point instead of zero points for a loss, heck, that could be the difference against Hampton Roads. So I think I'd rather be Hampton Roads. I think there's a little bit more margin for error, a little bit more opportunity on the flip side of that. So maybe I guess you could bring it down to High risk, high reward for Hampton, where for Potomac, you kind of feel like you're up against it.
1: Let me ask you this next tough question, Lucas. Four-point advantage for the Charlotte Rush over the Richmond Generals right now in that division. Okay, There could be a situation where the Rush do not have to win again to keep the number one spot when they get to that final series of the year with Potomac. Who do you think the rush want to face between Potomac and Hampton in the playoffs? You know, what, what's the team? I mean, you talk about Potomac. We This is the team that I picked to be a playoff team at the beginning of the year. And a lot of people didn't believe in it. A lot of people didn't believe me. And, and this team has shown up. This team has continued to fight, to scrape, to claw. This is a blue collar squad. Hampton roads. I mean, that's your biggest rival of are Charlotte. Sure. Like, who would you rather see Potomac or Hampton, if you're Charlotte?
0: Well, I think there's there's two ways to look at this. I think let's let's take the argument of I'd rather see Potomac. Why would you rather see Potomac? Well, Potomac two six and two in their last ten. Wins have been hard to come by these last few weeks, these last this last month for the Patriots. Now you can take that as an indication that they are a team who is sliding. Their stock is lowering as you get closer to the playoffs. Which is not what you want if you're the Potomac Patriots, but if you're talking about the team like the Charlotte Rush that want to try to, you know, have as close to a a less worrisome situation, you might make the the argument that you're the Patriot. you want the Patriots. The flip side of that argument, though, Dan, is that the Patriots have been a thorn in the side for top teams all season long. The thirteen wins that they have to their credit have not come easy, and yeah. they've not come against teams that are slouches by by any stretch of the imagination, you know, and and I think that for the Charlotte rush, the Hampton Roads whalers have been far less disruptive in the Southeast division specifically than the Potomac Patriots have been. So despite the fact that Hampton Roads is five, four, and one in their last 10 and currently on the upswing, there's the argument for wanting to play Hampton. Now laying those two things out, if I'm the Charlotte Rush in this situation, who would I rather play? I think I would rather take the Hampton Roads Whalers because if I'm the Charlotte Rush, I'm looking at Potomac thinking there's your upset. It's written plain as day. This Potomac Patriots team, who's under this new leadership, who's turned things around, who's been a force and not just in the Southeast, but all across the country, the story is written, it just needs the final page, and you don't want to be the final page. So I think I would rather play the Hampton Roads Whalers, a team that you know, Charlotte Rush have had some pretty consistent success against.
1: All right, let's make this simple to close out the elite discussion. If chalk holds one and two seeds as of today's taping all make it through, would you rather be an elite pool A, Jersey Hitmen, Florida Eels, Richmond Generals, Islanders hockey player, or elite pool B. wilkes Fair Scranton Knights, Tampa Bay juniors, Charlotte rush, Northern cyclones.
0: <laughs> um, I will be taking the playoffs off. I have scheduled golf <laughs> rounds for me and my entire team. We will be playing, uh, two rounds a day, every day. Um, Gosh, I I feel like I'd rather be in Pool A. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could
1: pick right because you look at Pool A. What you're getting in Pool A is you're going to get close games. So a lot of teams in that group, the Generals, the Hitmen, the Eels, IHC, who like to grind it out, right? So you're going to get close games. In the Pool B side of it, Wilkesbarre, Tampa, Charlotte, Northern, these are all teams that like to win in run and gun fashion and run it up. So you're going to see. These two styles, it's, it's, I mean, what do you want to be in? Do you want to be knocked out, drag out battles all day? Or do you want to try to eke out of the top two in the running gun division and hope that you can win two of them or win in split two, right? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be an absolute battle royale the rest of the way. There are a lot of teams that can play spoiler, who can change the looks of those two potential groups. And we'll have to keep watching to see just that. Remember. The Nationals for the Elite, March 24th, 25th, and 26th will be the round-robin portion of the playoffs. Elite Group A and Elite Group B, they'll each play each other once in each of those groups. Your top two teams will move on for the semifinals on the 28th with the finals, sorry, the semifinals on the 27th with a championship on the 28th. So your pool player will be the 24th, 25th, 26th, semifinals on the 27th, championship on the 28th that will be fun cannot wait for it lucas do you want to do your game show first or do we want to go right into the premiere what do you think
0: uh let's do let's go into the premiere and then we'll go to the game show as a different segment at the end i like that
1: all right so let's go into the premiere let's start i I mean the, the place you gotta start are some of the snubs that we both had in our top 16 we made off camp. The Vegas Thunderbirds, the South Shore Kings, the Northern Colorado Eagles, the Florida Eels, who the only blemish was a loss to Atlanta. The New York Aviators, who were in the top 10 last month, who have only lost to a Wilkes-Barre sprinting team, we put at number three. Who do you think is the first biggest snub we got to talk
0: about? Well, I, I think the biggest snub here. I mean, we we whether you consider it a snub or not, you, you got to talk about the biggest impact fall here, and it's Florida. I mean, the Eels falling out of the top 10 in the premiere when the storyline all season has been, you know, let, let me rephrase the discussion for the Florida Eels fans maybe listening at home. All season long, Dan and I have been saying that this is a team that we consider to be a championship, or at least I consider to be a championship team, returning with a lot of the same guys they returned from last year. And what has the story been? It's been, well, it's been a tough month because of, you know, injuries. You know, it's been a tough month because it's been a tough schedule. And when you put a lot of tough months back to back to back, you realize things might not be as clear-cut for the Florida Eels as you thought. And despite the fact that you've got great net minding and you've got great skaters and you've got veteran leadership and you've got the the mind of Frankie Scarpacci behind there on the bench and the mind of Frank Scarpacci, who's, who's sitting in that, that GM role, managing both of those teams. You just look at a team that in February, are they going to crack it? Are they going to really be the impact team we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the season? I don't know the answer to that right now. The answer looks to be maybe not. Maybe this isn't just an injury problem. Maybe this isn't just a a couple of months problem or a tough stretch problem. Maybe this is just a team that, you know, potentially on paper was a different team than than has come out and played some games. And one of the things I will say, Dan, especially because since this team was my pick to win the championship, I've been watching them probably a little bit more than, than I've been watching some other teams from around the country, is that I think they are, an extraordinarily talented team and I've watched a lot of these games and they've been very close games they're they've just lacked the consistency but the problem is in a division like the premier that is so high strong not just in our power rankings but even in terms of the playoffs 16 teams are coming out of the premier division going to nationals you can yeah. easily make the argument for a 20 team national very easily make the argument especially as you've pointed out that you know you're going to have an extra round here. You're going to take the top two teams from each pool. There's a huge argument to be made for five teams in the pool play, adding an extra four, but with something as, as tightly contested as this playoff is the Florida Eels move from a national championship contender to potentially sitting on the edge here. And, and that's a place that we'll see how they respond to being there. Cause they're not there often.
1: Yeah, Lucas, and I pride myself on being honest with the folks at home, right? And, and being forthcoming, it's what we do. It's like, I wanted to see five per pool, right? And two teams out of the Atlantic West, two out of the Atlantic East, two out of the Mountain, two out of the Pacific, just with teams like Utica and the Atlantic West who could get left out. Of, if you're talking going all truck, right? I mean, just It's easier to just talk all chalk than it is to talk about where we might see upsets. We'll talk about that as we get closer to playoff time when we start doing our predictions like we do each year. But, you know, you look at it, the Florida Eels, Lucas, they're number one in their division. The number two team in their division is at number two nationally in our rankings. And that kind of shows you what the power rankings are. It's, it's number one, recency bias. Number two, it's you know it, it's a lot of that eye test. It's a lot of what we see in the product and the ice. You pick this Florida Eels team to win a national championship. I still think this Florida Eels team is a national title contender. But what it tells you is the parity in this premier division that there are more than 10 teams that we think could win a national championship. If we both think the Eels can win a national title this year with this roster with no changes needed, with things all locked in now, if we both think this is a national title contender, that tells you we think there's more than 10 teams that we would not be surprised to see raise the cup. That is insanity. It's like you look at these divisions right now, and let's, let's look at some of the races down the stretcher. Let's kind of go division by division. In the, in the Atlantic East, you've got right now a battle for those, those five and six seeds between the Jersey hitmen and the Pal Junior Islanders. You've got Philadelphia sitting there who just beat the Rockets hockey club head-to-head in the fourth seed, four points behind the Jersey Whalers with three games still in hand on them. So they may make the jump into the three seed, which starts to bring trouble to the aviators doorstep in seeing a tough, gritty Philadelphia hockey club team. And, you know, you just don't know how this thing is going to shape out, you know, and and you still got to, at the end of the whole thing, somebody has got to win the Atlantic East outright out of seven teams. One team's going to have to raise the the quote unquote cup in the Atlantic East. Same goes to the Atlantic West. Lucas, look at the Utica junior Comets, the least penalty minutes in the nation with 393. They stay out of the box. They're disciplined. And I think they could give the Wilkes-Barre scranton Knights play uh, some some troubles in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you talk about the regular season, right? And you you look at the people who are on top by a lot in their division, and Wilkes-Barre has that edge. But the playoffs are not, you know, forty-four or forty-five games. The playoffs are three games. These series, you only got to win two of them, right? So you're you're a little bit primed for upsets. I think the biggest thing for me is this Utica team is really, really good. They're a very special team this year, 6-4-0 in their last 10 as of taping. They need to kind of bump that up a little bit, but I think that's the argument I'm about to make for the Philadelphia Hockey Club and the Atlantic East. Philadelphia Hockey Club, 7-3-0 in their last 10. Above them, the Jersey Whalers, 3-5-2 in their last 10. That whole division, the Atlantic East, the only three teams that have had positive win differentials in their last 10 Rockets hockey club at number one, New York Aviators at number two, Philadelphia Hockey Club currently at fourth. But as you said, still three, still have to make up three games in the Jersey Whalers before they can even be considered equal. So you could potentially have Philly and Jersey sitting at kind of the same spot here. So when we talk about the Atlantic divisions being as close as they are, as good as they are, and improving the competition over the course of the season, I mean, I I think you you look at the aviators and and what they might have to deal with. They don't want to play either of these teams.
1: I think the Aviators don't mind playing anybody. I, th- I think that's a, that Mike Stanaway style. Like he's going to get out there, he's going to play anybody. Last year, Dan K picked him to upset the Rockets Hockey Club, and they did just that and went to Nationals. And I just, I just think these guys are gritty. They'll grind it out and they'll play against anybody. And that's what we're going to see come, come playoff time there. In the Great Lakes, you look at it right now, Lucas. Columbus, who was hot as a fox in a forest fire, 8 2 0 0 in their last 10, they just got they got beat by Toledo. Toledo took it to him. Toledo sitting there 31, 6, and 3. They add Nick Bernstein. We talked about that one. But you go to a team in Pittsburgh, Lucas, and a guy by the name of Dan Bradley, who we we we, we listen when he speaks. When he speaks up about a squad being pretty good, we listen to him. He thinks Pittsburgh could upset Metro in the playoffs. Am I hearing that
0: right? Yeah. And and honestly, Dan, I am not surprised. I am going to toot my own horn for a second a little bit here. Because Mm -hmm. if, if you think back to Detroit, I watched this Pittsburgh Vengeance team with about 13 skaters take it to some of the best teams at that event. And yes, I, ter- I turned to you and I said, if they get a full roster, if they put in the work and they get some guys and they develop as a team, they could be trouble. And here they are with trouble stamped on the nameplates on the back of everyone's jersey, ready to rock. I mean, the Pittsburgh Vengeance are a team that I think I've been following since they came in. First, obviously, it's because of the name. I think it's a great name for a hockey team. I think it reflects the grittiness and the mentality of this team. I think this year they are a different animal. I really, really like the way this team is put together. Nick Tessier sitting up top with over 50 points, 55 points as of taping. Sawyer Lounsdale just coming through on the power play. And the one thing that a full – honestly – A full bench gives you is an ability to mix and match, to catch guys off guard. They're sitting at a positive goal differential. And I know they've given up a lot of goals. I I can see that they've given up 150 goals, which is a huge gap from the Columbus Mavericks, Toledo, Cherokee, Metro Jets above them. But again, we're not playing a whole season, playing three games here. If you can take the first game, that's going to be key. The vengeance have to win game one. Then I think they've got a shot for an upset.
1: Yeah, and you look at it, we go to Florida. I mean, that looks pretty set in stone here. Atlanta is the four seed. They'll take on the Eels. Tampa versus Florida Junior Blades. Outside of a real upset coming up, you're not going to see a different matchup than those two. And Atlanta just beat the Florida Eels. So that's a possibility of upset city. Where I really go for where Dan K. Lucas, I might just just hint at it a little bit here. Where Dan K. might be calling for the biggest playoff upset and, it, and I'm going to make some enemies with this one. In the Midwest East, there is a team in fourth place right now whose road to nationals will go through the Windy City. The Detroit Fighting Irish, Because outside of a big upset going on in the first round of that playoff out there in the Midwest East, I feel like this DFI team with Coach Coach Shaheen behind the bench there, three straight wins from 7-3-0 and in their last 10. This is a team, 21-17, 2-0 on the year, who might be difficult to deal with. And I mean, made a round back dealing with it. Well,
0: you know what's interesting? I, I go back to what we talked about last month with the Aviators and how they are an incredibly physical team and they will be physical with you and the moment you're physical with them they'll go oh you're going to be physical with us right and then they ramp things up to another level the detroit fighting irish with a four digit penalty minute total Oof. 1179 that is the most um, that is the most and you know that can really be tough to deal with especially a team that is used to playing that game right used to playing that style because the Detroit Fighting Irish, 21 and 17, 7-3-0 in their last 10. And yet they're taking those penalty minutes. I think I have no concerns with that. How many, how many times must we be taught a lesson about teams who take penalty minutes until we just throw our hands up and say, look, it's incredibly disruptive. If a team like the Chicago Cougars is not used to being pushed around, if they're not used to being, quite frankly, out, outmatched, right, or even in some cases, the physicality breeds the frustration. And if the physicality breeds frustration, it breeds penalties. And all of a sudden, even if Detroit may not score on all those penalties, we talked about the, the infamous one one of nine, right, on the, the video episode of the Power Rankings. That's still nine times in the game where your team is not playing five on five, is yeah. not have five guys on the ice. That's incredibly disruptive to the way that you normally play a game. And what we've seen is teams that can play the disruptor, the Northern Cyclones NCDC team two years ago against the Jersey Hitmen, the Toledo Cherokee in last year's nationals in Hampton Roads. If you can play the disruptor, if you can catch teams off guard, and if you can win that first game, you have more than a shot. You are in the driver's seat for game two. We saw the Connecticut junior Rangers almost do it against the junior Bruins NCDC in the championship, right? You take game one, all of a sudden you're one game away. Yeah. So I, I think mean, it I think it's a huge psychological advantage to take game one and to come in with that physicality looming over the Detroit Fighting Irish. I I just think that you're I agree with you hundred percent. That could be a space that's right for an upset.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's gonna be the guys like Joe Galino, King Glenkowski, who now makes the move over to the Chicago side, Lucas. Want to talk about maybe the biggest addition. How about adding Caden Glenkowski from the Dells Ducks? A pretty, pretty interesting move there for the Chicago Cougars late in this season, Lucas. That's a uh, that is you talk about King making moves. That might just be one there for the Chicago Cougars. Michael Slavinsky, Jacob McDonald, Curtis Pulowski, TJ Haas. Like this Cougars team will be. An absolute trouble to deal with. And it's going to take a physical approach like the Detroit Fighting Irish bring to the table to get in the way of them at all because they can run away with a championship in a moment's notice. I like putting the boys in Chicago on alert though because this is a team I was talking to a few folks uh, before we did the podcast this week and, and the power rankings that they have been sitting in that like 11 through 15 slot nationally in our power rankings and just keep missing the show by an inch. And right now, they're going to have a chance to kind of prove us wrong here and roll through that Midwest East playoff. We will see what the Cougars can do. Ah, Cougars. How about the Fort Wayne Spacemen might play NJDP to get out of that division. The Spacemen have been on fire, seven wins straight, 8-2-0 in the last 10. The Midwest East will be a fun playoff to watch. The Midwest West, Lucas, I mean, the Blue Hawks, 8-1-1-0 in their last 10. Wisconsin Rapids 8-1-1-0 in their last 10. The Hudson Havoc 9-0-1-0 in their last 10. The top three there, it doesn't get much better than that. The River Kings are trying to shake those woes of those playoff upsets they've been dealing with over the years. And the Havoc are sitting in prime position to try to get in trouble again, because the Moose could try to do the same to the Blue Hawks in the fourth
0: slot. Yeah, I think the Midwest, you know, return to form, or I should say maybe true to form. Who knows what's going to happen, right? We've seen the river Kings get upset and not make it before we've seen powerhouses like the Minnesota moose and they're in their prime come out to nationals and, and just not be the same team. Right. We, I think we've seen it all at this point from the Midwest, the East and the West. And I think the Midwest West has at the highest level of parity it's potentially ever been at when the moose certainly an up and down team, but more ups than downs. Steele County, a real physical presence there, sitting at, at above a five hundred. The mullets, though, close to that five hundred line. Rum River, pulling through and getting better. You know, wow. making those making those improvements, adding some adding when they can, and having big games when they can. So, I think the Midwest West is, has seen as much parity as it's been, especially that one through five with Steele County certainly in that conversation it's anybody's it's anybody's hockey game down there i really truly believe that especially in the midwest there is not a team and i guarantee you you'd hear the same line from the coaching staffs there's no there's no gimmies right as you've said there there's no three foot putts here everyone's got to putt out to the end
1: yeah and everybody's going to make that playoff it's an 18 playoff so you're going to see if it all holds true as it looks like at may right now you'd get a first round of blue ox versus ducks you get River Kings versus Mallards, which the Mallards, they really, you know, you never know what you're going to get with them, but when they're on, they can really roll. The Mullets taking on the Havoc. The Mullets just split a series with the Havoc. So you already saw how close that battle was. The Steel County Blades and the Minnesota Moose, I mean, anybody's ball game there. They're going to play right now. There's a three-game differential. The Blades have three extra games in hand on the Moose. They're down just three points. You're playing right now for a home ice advantage, In a series between the Moose and the Blades, those are some important games for still County down the stretch. Always important to play at home. The New England division, wow. The Boston Advantage, who sit in last place right now, have beaten the Cyclones, have beaten the South Shore Kings. They've beaten the best teams in this division. Everybody's beating everybody in the New England. The New Hampshire junior monitor now, if things held the way they are, sitting in the eighth spot, I would not be surprised to see them beat the Northern Cyclones, who are at number one in this division. I wouldn't be surprised to see Twin City, who just beat Northern, beat the South Shore Kings, who are in the seventh spot. IHC is sitting there in the sixth spot. They'll play the junior Bruins if things hold the way they are today. And Lucas, the craziest story of them all is I think we both agree our favorite team to watch this year might just be the four seed in this division, the Bridgewater Junior Bandits.
0: Yeah, what a surprise Bridgewater's been. And I think you can trace it back to us getting to watch them at the IHC showcase, you know, a little earlier this season. You know, you didn't you weren't able to necessarily get to see everybody, right? And that's always the the toughest part sometimes is is not always being able to see everybody you want to at events in different buildings. But we certainly got a chance to see Bridgewater a ton and I think we were impressed with what we saw. This is a team that went 4-0 at IHC, and they did it in spectacular fashion. Great defense, disciplined play, good offense, but not overwhelming offense, and I don't knock them for that either, especially a team that's on a, currently on a four-game win streak. You can't knock a team that's on a four-game win streak. You can't necessarily knock the Bridgewater Junior Bandits. I, I admire their ability to play in close games and to win close games. They – they don't play many overtimes they don't play many shootouts these games are decided in regulation and i love that about them they are trying to control their own destiny it's the right mentality come playoff time don't let yourself get put in overtime or shootout and and you may some people may agree with this may not but when it comes to playoffs i don't want to be going to overtime i don't want to be going to shootouts i i want to control my own destiny in 60 minutes I don't want to mess around with long games, especially on the first game of a series. I don't want to be a team that plays a lot of overtime games. You're going to be exhausted. The playoffs are a long road. Get it decided in 60, get out, make it happen. I think the Bridgewater junior bandits are a team that likes to do that.
1: Watch out for the hottest team in this division too, sitting in the last place spot, the Boston advantage, six two and O in their last 10 2-0, and 0 in the streak right now, five points in their last three chances to get points. Just three points behind the uh, New Hampshire Junior Monarchs in the standings who were 2-8-0-0 in the last 10 and lost four straight. That'll get interesting down the stretch there in New England. In the southeast, things starting to shave off the way that we see them as I knocked my water bottle over, my official Dan K. Show water bottle from our great sponsor, Remastered Sleep. And, and storm but just a sip. Go to remasteredsleep.com today and don't drop your water bottle like I just did on the air.
0: Come great on. save. What a Thank job you. by Dan K.
1: And you know, that's it. Henrik Lundqvist and Dan Kay. That's what we do. We mix it. But you look at it, the rush, 59 points, Richmond behind them. They're playing right now. This side is the one and a two seed. It doesn't get easier no matter where you sit, whether you're playing Hampton Roads or Carolina. Those four teams, we know what the Southeast Division is going to be like. We just don't know how it's going to shape out in terms of matchups yet. The Mountain. You know, interesting adds and additions aside, Utah sits at the top right now. And I know there's, there are some teams in Ogden and Noco and Pueblo that want to make a statement come playoff time, Lucas. I, I think we can both guarantee that and they're, they're going to be working hard to do it.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is going to be an interesting one to watch as well, because, you know, you think you've got a handle on a division then all of a sudden a bunch of stuff changes, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, uh, you get some, some shakeups and things you don't expect because, you know, you, you, you think after a certain point, you've seen it all and. And then you see something a little bit different. But I think the biggest thing here is these, these teams are proud. These teams are not going away without a fight. They're going to scrape and claw and they take everything personally. And I love that. I love that. They take everything personally because you should, right? You, you want to be competitive. You want to be at that next level. You have to take it personally. It's what we saw when we all, you know, we all watched that Michael Jordan documentary, right? You take things personally, you get better. You try to be the best. If you're not taking things personally, you're not getting better. I love the fire that's out there. You know, I, I just I just think that they've really proven that as an entire division, they have what it takes to compete at the highest level.
1: Watch out for the Northern Colorado Eagles. 8 2 0 in their last 10. They lost their last one. So that was 8-1-0-0 in their last nine before this most recent loss. They'll be facing the Ogden Mustangs, though, in the first round of that playoff, and only one team makes it out of the mountain despite being an incredible division to play in. The Pacific, Lucas, Fresno, Vegas, Lake Tahoe, they've just taken turns being the best team out there. You look at it right now, Fresno and Vegas, 8-1-1-0 apiece in their last 10. Fresno, though, 0-1-1-0 in their last two. 28-11, 3-0-0. Uh, you flip the coin out there uh, who who is the team that you you like the most right
0: now i like vegas right now i i had I vegas you said you had fresno yeah
1: i like fresno you like vegas there you go
0: i i yeah i i think i like vegas here i think that that fresno does not have the advantage that statistically it looks like they do i know their goals for is is a lot higher i know their differential is miles away, higher than Vegas. But I think Fresno just likes to put up touchdowns. I like to put up double digits. I don't think that necessarily makes them the best team as far and away as the stats tell you. We both had Vegas on our lists, right? We both had this huh. team on our lists. And I think that the Thunderbirds, I'm I'm buoyed by the fact that they have an 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. My My outlook on them is certainly helped by that. I just I don't think that you can look at Fresno versus Vegas on paper and come away with something. I was impressed by what I saw with Vegas at the showcase. I've been impressed with what I've seen from them all year. I think this is gonna be a situation where I like really like Vegas. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get out of the Pacific.
1: I like it. I like it. Lucas, we sit here today. Here's what I'm gonna do. This is that so it's not biased. This is flat out chalk, okay? If all results hold exactly as the standings are, and there is, obviously this won't happen, no upsets at all. This is what pool play will look like come Nationals time. Pool A, the Metro Jets, the Tampa Bay Juniors, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Knights, and the South Shore Kings. No, I am not reading our power rankings from top to bottom. Although, what I will say about Pool A, folks, if that were to hold true, our premier power rankings this past month, the final one of the year, we had the Metro Jets, number one, Tampa Bay Juniors, number two, Wilkes-Barre, number three, Lucas, the top three teams in the country would all have to face off in the pool play round.
0: Are you supposed to have the top three teams play each other in pool play? Because, I mean, A, (laughs) it seems like a surefire way to – to really get, get rid of some top tier talent. But I mean, it's, it's going to be so almost is disappointing the right word to see a couple of teams get eliminated. I mean, I know that two teams will move on from each division, but gosh, it feels like to have the number three team by our ranking in the country, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't jump to conclusions, but one of the top three teams eliminated immediately. I mean, if the question is which pool do I want to play in, it's not pool A. That much, yeah, I can tell you. and, and it, you know, it doesn't get easier anywhere else. But
1: and Lucas, I, I mean, my perfect world one day, one day, and and, and you know Dan K, there's people out there who think that I that I run the world, but I, sadly we we run very little, other than ourselves and our own lives and how much coffee I drink, um, which is too much. But I would love to see a world where it's it's selected more like the FIFA World Cup, where there are kind of avenues that each team fall into after qualification is completed. And then the selection process happens live on the air with Dan Kay and Lucas Jones selecting those teams so that it's based off of the regular season after you've had your upsets that we will certainly see. And then you avoid ever having to worry about one, two, and three ending up in the same pool. That's a conversation for another day. It does seem like a very, very good idea though, Lucas. And I think it's a perfect idea. And I think that I should be, uh, I should be asked about.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I I also really love the idea of, and I know you've said it before, of once you rank those, those teams and you sort of pick them out at random, but then if you accidentally double up on two of the tier one teams, they have to go into different pools. I think that makes a lot of sense. There's bowls. I don't know if you
1: ever watched the FIFA selection committee at work. Well, what you would have is you have four pools, correct? So what you would do is you would have four bowls. So four. if there's 16 teams, let's say, or 20 in my perfect world, since there's 10 divisions, 20 teams, I would put five of the teams of my tier one in my tier one bowl, five of my teams in my tier two bowl, five of my teams in my tier three bowl, five of my teams in my tier four bowl. There would be the teams in bowl one would be whoever – the committee, whatever we decide is the ranking process for teams one through five. Teams six through 10 would be in bowl two. Teams 11 through 15 would be in bowl three. Teams 16 through 20 would be in bowl four. You would then select one by one through the bowls to get pool A, pool B, pool C, pool D. The only rule would be no team from the same division can play in the same pool during pool play. So if I select a Southeast team with with pick one, and then I go to bowl 2 and I pick another the other southeast team. I would put that southeast team back in and pick a different team.
0: Can you that imagine? Would imagine that live stream. Yeah. That selection process. We go. It,
1: it, it would be an event. It would make it fun, wouldn't it?
0: It would it would be absolutely incredible to be able to have that and get that done as long as we don't hire the same guy from the NHL draft 2 years <laughs> ago who had one job to to not drop the ball into the chute before it was validated by the commissioner and messed up immediately? That guy yeah. not allowed.
1: No, nope. Dan K would run it all. We would get we would get a lot of parties involved to do the rankings. I would say that the rankings would be done by the teams that are making it to the playoffs. So once you make the playoffs and and everybody's all locked in, you submit your rankings that night, the last night, and once everyone once the final game's done to play in. Everybody submits whatever their top 20 is or top 16, depending on how many teams compete that weights, the teams, we put them in a bowl the next morning and we do a live stream. That's the way that I would see it happening. I will continue to fight for that one until the end of time pool B Lucas though, would be the Florida Eels, the Chicago Cougars, the river Kings of Wisconsin Rapids and the Rockets hockey club. If results all went to chalk pool, C. How about this one? I call this Redemption City because it starts with the Northern Cyclones and Charlotte Rush, who saw each other in the semis last year. They would see each other in Pool C this year. Then Fort Wayne, the Spacemen, major, major Dan to goal control, and then Utah, the Outliers, would be there as the number one seed from Mountain Pool D would be the Richmond Generals, Minnesota Blue Ox, Toledo, Cherokee, and Fresno Monsters in the all-out brawl division. That will be a physical division to play through. Those pools would be crazy. Lucas, other than Pool A, what do you think falls into your next one? Is it, is it Pool B, the Eels, Cougars, River Kings, Rockets, Pool C, Cyclones, Rush, Spaceman, Utah, Pool D, Generals, Ox, Toledo, Fresno?
0: I think it's got to be Pool C. Really, I mean, I, I didn't I, like Pool D. I, I feel like I'm afraid of Pool
1: D. I feel like that's where I'm going to be exhausted by the
0: end. I, I mean, I think Pool D is going to be exhausted, but I think Pool C has the most opportunity for an upset to happen. That, that Fort Wayne team, I think, is a lot better than some people may think. Some people may have oh. an outdated viewpoint of the Midwest East and may not may not put as much stock in, into a team. and But Fort Wayne has improved drastically. They have they have put it all together in a great way this year. Their defense is firing. Their offense is firing. I don't want to be in a division with – I don't want to be in a pool with Fort Wayne. I, I think that is – that's my pick. That's my pick for p- the potential upset right there. If they steal the wrong game, right, and I use steal very liberally there, if they win the wrong game against the right team, you could see some, some interested in upset folks. I absolutely love it.
1: That is our conversation there. More to come as we get closer to postseason time. More to talk through as the season comes to a close. Before we end this thing, though, Lucas, let's play a little game. Okay? We will start. Let's start. You know what? Let's scroll over. Let's start in the elite. Okay, Lucas? We're going to go to the elite. Let's go to some team. These will be some interesting stats from teams. If I can actually click the button, you know what? I've messed up. So let's go to the premiere. All right. In the premiere, 64 teams have competed this season. Who has won the most games in overtime? With six, With six, six overtime wins this season. Who has six overtime wins?
0: I would have to go with the Tampa Bay Juniors.
1: Five for
0: the Tampa Bay Juniors. It
1: was the Charlotte Rush. Six times Tuesday. in 40 games played. Six times in 40 games played, Lucas. That Wait,
0: I, won. I think it's interesting, too, that the Tampa Bay Juniors are so close.
1: Yeah, Tampa Bay Juniors with five. The Vegas Thunderbirds tied with them with five. The Pueblo Bulls at four. Tied with the Mullets and South Shore Kings. How about the Ontario Junior Reign with three? Tied with the Hershey Cubs, Lake Tahoe Lakers, Wilkes-Bear Scranton Knights, Columbus Mavericks, Midwest Blackbirds, Northern Cyclones, Advantage, and Eels. Let's go to the next interesting one. Power play opportunities. What team had the most power play opportunities this year?
0: Well, I'd imagine it would be a team in a division that takes a lot of penalties. Yes. Um, I think the division that probably took the most penalties on average would probably be the Southeast. So I would say the Charlotte Rush.
1: That is correct. They have the most OT wins and the most opportunities on the power play that could be helping with that overtime win percentage there. They've only lost once in OT. Lucas second place, the Ogden Mustangs with 235 power play opportunities. The Fresno Monsters with 224. The Long Beach Shredders with 211. Pueblo with 202. And the Sabres with 200. All others under 200 chances on the year. Let's go to our next stat. Power play goals for 62 for this team. This team has scored 62 times on the power play. If you're really good at quick math, I've read you some of the teams that have the most power play opportunities. <laughs> teams at a 26.2 percent success rate. How good are you at math?
0: <laughs> yeah, really. How how good at math am I? Well, I I guess the the math would support either the Charlotte Rush or the Fresno Monsters. To for sake of argument. I'm going to say it's the Fresno Monsters for two reasons. One, because as a math tutor, I feel like I should be able to figure this out mathematically in my head. And number two, the Fresno Monsters have scored an absolutely ludicrous amount of goals. And so I'd imagine that with the amount of power play chances they do have, some of those goals have to come off the power play.
1: Very logical. Very thought, well thought out. I will tell you the craziest stat. The Charlotte Rush, 26th most with 33 power play goals for just a 13.5% power play success rate. And that is a number, Lucas, that is what has kept them from being number one. The, the one thing that's kept this team from potentially being an undefeated wagon has been the inability to just convert with the extra man this year. 62 power play goals for first place, 26.4% success rate in the power play. The Ogden Mustangs.
0: Ooh. How far off was I on Fresno?
1: Second with 55.
0: Okay, so not not too far off. And again, though, I I think that it brings up a good point because when you look at the teams that are obviously dominant in those divisions, it's all about those conversions, right? Two teams who have been given the most opportunities but do have to convert. What team has the best overall percentage, Dan, in the Premier? Do you want to guess or do you want me to tell? I want you to tell me.
1: The Northern Cyclones they are 31.5% in success rate, 47 power play goals on 149 opportunities. Second place the Toledo, Cherokee
0: those that should scare everyone in this division. Those two numbers and those two teams should scare everyone in that division because you can make an argument that, you know, okay, let's look at the teams that have the highest amount of goals, Fresno, right. Or, or, um, Ogden Mustangs, um, but if you're if you have a good penalty kill, you could potentially negate that and frustrate a team. But teams like Northern and Toledo, you, you look at the ability to convert with high percentage 30% on the power play and in divisions that are no slouch. So, I mean, though those numbers should be scaring a lot of teams that might end up in those pools.
1: Speaking of scary numbers, are you ready for the scariest? I'm ready. This team
0: that you will guess
1: leads the premier. With 27 shorthanded goals scored, that is 15 more than second place. 27 shorthanded goals for to help you out because I feel like you'll think it's a team. Second place with 12 is the New York Aviators. They're tied with the Decatur Blades. And the team has more
0: than the Aviators do.
1: The Metro Jets in fourth with 11. Not the Metro Jets, who have the most goals scored in the league overall, twenty-seven shorthanded goals for. This team converts I, on twenty-five percent of its power plays, and also has twenty-seven shorthanded goals for.
0: I mean, I'm tempted to go back to the the well and say the Tampa Bay Juniors, but if I had to put another team, sort of on blast in terms of the shorthanded goal category. I, something's bringing me to the Blue Ox. So I would say the Blue Ox or the Tampa Bay Juniors. I don't know why I'm locked in on the Blue Ox for that stat, but I am.
1: No, it is the Fresno Monsters who, Lucas, let me put it this way, they have a 12.2% conversion rate shorthanded. 221 total short-handed opportunities, 27 times they have scored. That is 12%, which is an acceptable (laughs) power play rate compared to most foes in the league. You look at the power play success rate and you look at it here. I mean, there are, let's see, 12.2% shorthanded would actually put them in a tie for 60th in terms of power play success rate. That's incredible. Like they would not be the worst. So like that's how good they are shorthanded. The final question in the Premier, Lucas, and we'll do a quick one in the elite before closing out. Penalty kill percentage, who leads the way? 89.8% success
0: rate. I would go with the Northern Cyclones on this one.
1: They are not only number one in the power play percentage success rate with 31.5%. They are 89.8% successful on the penalty kill. They lead the league in both power play percentage and penalty kill percentage. They have shorthanded goals five times scored. They've only allowed 13 total power play goals all year. In second place, the Carolina Junior Hurricanes at an 89.6. They're tied with the Rockets Hockey Club. Fourth place, the Tampa Bay Juniors. Fifth place, the Toledo Cherokee, if you pay attention to that. In the top 10, Lucas, there is only one team in the top 10 that did not make a top 10 this year in our power rankings who kills penalties at a high success rate It's Columbus at
0: 87.9. You know, and that makes a lot of sense. It especially makes a lot of sense when you consider what Columbus has been able to do in the last two months. They have revamped themselves into a powerhouse in the Great Lakes in, in just a short span of time. But you got to kill penalties, folks. You can get away with a not so great power play, but if you can't kill penalties. That is going to be trouble. So uh, no surprise for me to see Northern that high.
1: All right, let's go to the elite real quick before we close this one out. Overtime wins is a three-way tie. I'll stay away from that. Let's try to find an interesting one. Let's go to this one. This team has the most overtime losses, Lucas. And if you combine it with shootout losses, their overtime losses and shootout losses combined They've doubled the next team. So this is a team that is just inches away from seven extra points on the year.
0: This is... has to be a team in the Southeast. Yes. It is either the Carolina Junior Canes or the Potomac Patriots.
1: It is funny, they are one and two. So which one is it?
0: Well, the internal process that's going through my head right now is to pick the team that just has less points at this at this stage of the game, um, and and I'm going to stick with saying the Patriots are number one, the Carolina Junior Canes are number two, and the only reason I went to the Southeast on this one is because we've covered obviously this division all year long, and the Southeast this year, above all years, has been one of the most maddening, maddening divisions to try to cover in terms of teams beating teams. Overtime wins, shootout wins. Um, So that's why I went there. But I'd go Potomac one, Carolina Junior Canes two.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: That is my final answer. Locking
1: it in? Correct. What a nice job. Four overtime losses for Potomac. Three shootout losses. Seven total lost points in extra time. Carolina has lost five total extra points. Three OT losses, two in the shootout. Let's go... Hmm. let's see what, what next is interesting shootout wins is a four-way tie power play opportunities lucas can you guess who is number one with just one extra power play opportunity than they have in the premiere
0: did the did the charlotte rush double dip on this one as well
1: double dipped on the power <laughs> play opportunities they have 245 power play opportunities the next most 45 less from their divisional counterparts, the Carolina Junior Canes at 200. After that, it's Richmond, Potomac, Florida, Hampton Roads. A lot of power plays being given out in the Southeast. Power play goals four. hmm, let's, let's look for something. We know the power play stuff now.
0: Well, it's interesting, too, and while you, while you find another stat, Dan, the, the quick maths on the, the penalty minutes for the Southeast, The average penalty minutes taken in the elite Southeast should be sitting at around 900. There is no other division that's even close to that. So the elite Southeast is just racking up penalty minutes. Like they're going out of style.
1: Power play success rate percentage. There is a two way tie at the top two teams from two different divisions, 28.6% success rate. Who are they? Two different divisions, one and one.
0: I will, I will stick with, the Northern Cyclones? No. They are Ooh. sixth
1: with a 21.4.
0: Really? The other one I would probably go with is uh Wilkes Bear Scranton Knights.
1: They are seventh with a 20.7 success rate. Interesting. The Florida Eels and Richmond Generals both with 28.6% success rates on the year, 50 goals for on the power play for the Eels and a league-leading 56 for the Richmond Generals. Penalty kill percentage, who leads the elite in penalty kill percentage by five whole percentile points.
0: I hesitate to stereotype the best defense in the elite, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Jersey hitman.
1: That is correct. Let's so go. 92.4%. Next best, the wilkes Sprint Scranton Knights at 879 that ninety-two plus success rate, Lucas. I'm just doing one last check before I say something that could potentially be incorrect. Let me do this right now, live on the air. Yes, it is the best penalty kill percentage at any level of the game in the USPHL Premier Elite or RNCDS.
0: Insane. Well, I, again, you you talk about a team that grinds it out, right? The Jersey Hitmen and the Elite do that. They are they are grinders they are workers they work hard they hit harder i mean you don't get to be a team like the hitmen as successful as they are and again you you speak honestly about a lot of these teams their their offensive attack is not overwhelming right it's not this this stunningly overwhelming dominating offensive attack so what do you need you need to lock it down on the other end right and they they've got the least amount of goals given up in the elite 74 they are, that's almost a dozen goals better than their next closest competitor. If you don't give up goals on five on five, you don't give up goals on five on four, you're going to be a pretty good squad. And I, I think the Jersey Hitmen, despite some recent speed bumps, really have a shot to go the distance here. You think about defense winning championships, the Jersey Hitmen are the physical embodiment of defense.
1: Lucas, what a show we were able to put together. A lot more to come your way over the next few weeks. For now, Lucas, your parting words. Beautiful, beautifully said. My parting word this week is going to be the word adversity. This time of year, it's all about adversity, it's all about battling through it, it's all about winning when times are tough, it's about battling back from a loss and putting W's on the board when we get to playoff time we stop having leeway. We no longer have the opportunity to lose, to give up when adversity faces us down. We must battle through it. And our quote this week, it is your reaction to adversity, not the adversity itself that determines how your life story will develop and how your playoff story will develop. More importantly, battle through all of it. Let's go. Playoff time is on the way. Our final power rankings out the door. The only way to prove us wrong now is to raise a cup, baby. Go win a championship. Go win a title. When Dan is on the mic, it's always hockey night. Thank you to Elite Junior Profiles. You go to EliteJRProfiles.com to find out more about them. Thank you to Selly Soul. Thank you to all of our folks at Remastered Sleep. RemasteredSleep.com. Fight snoring with just a sip. It's the water bottle of your dreams, folks. And thank you to our newest sponsor, the Jog college prospect showcase out there in the Windy City in Chicago. If you want your athlete to be seen by more ACHA coaches and college coaches than anywhere else, you head on out there. Thank you to everybody who works along with the Dan K Show, making this fun and exciting. And Lucas, we're going to keep this game show idea going. I got to find some new questions for us, but we thank you all for tuning in. Have a good one, folks. Keep listening.